I think it, it was definitely tough and like obviously you train so much with those people um, so you know exactly what they've sacrificed and how hard they've worked to get there but at the same time it's just like heart-wrenching because you've also worked just as hard and you know you were at, in the camps in the lead up to the World Cup and you just didn't quite quite make the cut um, so those are definitely like tough pills to swallow and and I don't know if you're you ever fully recover so to speak I think the minute I stepped on a practice field for rugby, the calling happened. Uh, an eight-year plan to be on the team, and I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro, right? Like, I like doing something, stopping and learning from it. Like, it just looked like it was a heavy hit. It gets up, it's not up. You know, that's the first time I played, like, professionally. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys, and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. Rugby is a sport where that's often coupled with actually having a good time. He looked at me and he said, you guys are awesome. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and this is the show where we speak with people about the opportunities they have found, created, or taken advantage of via rugby. We've got an amazing guest. I said an amazing guest for you today. Jess Nielsen, head coach for York University in Canada, but also former a Canada national player, former University of Victoria champion, uh, all-star, multiple award-winning player, fly half, a scrum half, and just a really amazing person to have been able to talk to. I, I truly enjoyed it because whenever we did this project, we were doing this actually in conjunction with something else. And to be able to have this conversation, to be able to speak and and, and have this uh, uh, depth that went along with it, uh, I really enjoyed it because I learned a lot, not just about her, but about how, you know, this this rugby world impacts even in a place like Canada where we see rugby a little bit more forward advanced than it is in the U.S., which I guess is not to really say that much because U.S. is still in its climb, but we we doing it, right? So it was really awesome. I think you guys are going to really enjoy taking something out of this one, and I hope you guys are able to find the value. Of course... Because I can't do a show without at least capping it with some, like, current news. It looks like we got MLR coming back. Major League Rugby, they started preseason today. I think yesterday, uh, the biggest game was Austin Gilgronis versus Austin uh, Los Angeles Giltinis, uh, which ended up being a close game, but one that went in favor of the Giltinis. You already had college Rugby, Lindenwood, and Central Washington. You had Six Nations. Apparently, an amazing England game. I miss it because I'm still here in beautiful Brazil. Uh, still trying to enjoy the area and uh, make sure that, you know, I, I know what I might be getting into in the near future, if you know what I'm saying. And if you don't, you can check some past episodes because I, uh, I got engaged and my, 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 my fiance is from Brazil. So you don't even have to check the episodes anymore. All right, I, I saved your time. <laughs> but, you know, it's some great rugby that's been happening and it's nice to be able to see us coming back. We're starting to see the vaccines here in the U.S. starting to spread. And of course, of course, 
HBCU Rugby Classic is coming back, so May 1st and 2nd, we've got a lot of work ahead of us still, but, you know, I'm looking forward because it looks like it's going to be probably the most ambitious, but most uh, engaged uh, rugby, tor uh, that rugby tournament for the HBCU Rugby Classic in its uh, fourth year of existence, third presentation since COVID wanted to put a little bit of a caveat on that third one uh, last year, so four years Four years, three tournaments. Guys, you're not going to want to miss this. And we're going to probably be putting out more and more information. So definitely check out HBCURugbyClassic.com. But just so you guys remember, please, please, please don't forget to tell your friends to subscribe to our podcast. You guys can do it through Spotify. You can do it through uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartMedia, doesn't matter where. Basically, on any major streaming platform. And of course, if you guys are watching the show, please don't forget to share this with your friends. Yo, and help them to subscribe. Let them get this information. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and you guys can go to youtube.com slash gift time rugby network. Uh, that's youtube.com slash gift time rugby network. So, with that being said, I don't want to hold you guys off for too, too long. I want you guys to get in, get deep, and get it known. Um, so, please, guys, enjoy this. Jess Nielsen out of Canada, York University head coach. Check it What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Bailu, and we got an incredible V, a very valuable I, and the P's of P people here. Jess Nielsen, Canada Rugby, head coach for York University, multiple awarded, and we're going to put revolutionary from the very young age of 12 years old, changing the game altogether. Jess, thank you so much for being on this. No problem. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I have to admit, um, you know, the first time that I heard with you heard of you was uh, whenever Brian Kelly of uh, Rugby American North he suggested that I talk to you. He was like, "Look, if you've ever met a person who's more superhuman than Jess, I don't know if they really exist." All right, <laughs> he was just like, "Yo, this is the person to talk to," and I was like, "Okay, let me let me see what she's about." Obviously, you sent me your videos, and I was just like. All right, we got something. Then I started going through doing the old Google search, and I'm like, okay, Jess, I'm gonna need you to calm down. All right, you're doing too much out here. <laughs> but look, I, I have to say, you you have quite the resume, quite the history behind you, and uh, you know, it it I have to say, does does it get tiring shouldering the uh, the the world of awesome like that? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but um. No, I've been pretty fortunate to have quite the career so far. And, uh, yeah, a lot of experiences under my belt. Man, no, I, I love it. And, you know, it, it, it's so it's nice to be able to see just, I guess, to lack of a better word, have it documented for such an extended period of time. So, And you're still young, so you still got a lot under your plate, which is impressive. So as with anything, though, uh, I always like to try and bring origin stories into this because if you don't know where you start, it's hard to be able to see where it ends. So uh, for you, uh, as I always like to say, how did you get started with rugby? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, it goes back to I was eight years old, um, and I got to see my stepsister Lauren play back for her high school at the time. 
um, and my mom took us out and it was like a nice little family bonding moment. And I, I saw the game and I told my mom, I'm like, I want to play this sport. <laughs> She's like, really? Are you sure? Like rugby? Because <laughs> um, I love sports growing up. I really wanted to play ice hockey for Canada. And um, yeah, rugby kind of came out of the blue and saw my sister play. And I was like, I want to do this. And so um, from there, luckily, our elementary school team had a had a rugby team. Um, I was the only girl, and uh, I guess the rest is history, as they say. Uh, I mean, and, and, and clearly, like, I, I find it interesting because of, well, two things. One, of the advent, how much, how early you were able to get into rugby. You know, a lot of times, most people don't get to see the game or really get to play the game until they're way into their in their twenties in college and stuff. So to be able to get that beginning start, just putting you ahead, but this, were you in like an environment that was just like, Hey, we need to have all the contact competition. Like we just need to, let's go from ice hockey. What's to be honest, I assume just because Canadian, I'm not, not going to lie. I just assume that's in your guys' blood, but then to have like rugby as well associated with it. Uh, is it just something that was within the area or is it just something special that your sister was doing in a, in a bubble to say the least. Yeah, no, I think it was definitely like a matter of environment as well. Like I, I grew up in Victoria, BC, which is a kind of the most warm part of Canada, I would say. So you have rugby all year round, which is pretty uh, unique in Canada because that's what most people think of as ice hockey, cold winters. And it gets cold in Victoria, but not nearly as cold as it does elsewhere. And so um, Victoria is definitely special in that sense. And, and I, growing up in Victoria, there's just, the national team is centralized there now. Like it's, it was rugby everywhere. Um, and so I also played soccer and I played goalie cause that's kind of like the only position you can be a bit physical <laughs> and get away with it. Um, and so I think rugby was just kind of like the natural progression for me in terms of being able to like express that on the field and be allowed to express it. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it, it actually works to this hypothesis that seems to be, proven itself very clearly that one of the biggest keys that I think is why rugby has poorly has poorly taken advantage of, but now is starting to actually pinpoint when it comes to women's rugby is that it's one of the few team sports that you have actual contact um, for. And so you have this opportunity to do more than what's the norm. And hence why I think women's rugby has actually kind of exceeded where uh, men's has at this point in time, just because, you get everybody's best uh, just because of, uh, I guess, scarcity. Yeah, no, and I think it's one of the sports, too, that's unique, that it, it really embraces people from all different backgrounds, and it's very accessible. Um, you know, you don't have the barriers to entry like you do in ice hockey and other sports where it's really expensive to play. Um, you don't have the equipment issues, and I think, yeah, it's just uh, it's a very unique sport in that sense. No, oh, true story. So – Elementary Jess finally gets on the field. You've been seeing your sister playing all this time. You know, what was that first feeling? Uh, well, I, I guess let me actually ask first. Was your first uh, um, chances of rugby, was it touch or was it tackle that you had? No, it was tackle. Let's go. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. And I remember, like, the first try I scored, I, like, threw it down. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I remember being very embarrassed, even my current self remembers eight-year-old Jess and, and doing that and like kind of cringing and, and fear and embarrassment but, <laughs> but I mean, 
to get that feeling that you were just like you actually scored early. So like like that first time picking up and then like getting that score before the unknowingness of what happened. Like what was that feeling for you? Do you remember like what it was that it was just like you're in it now? Um, I don't know. I, I like the people, and I think that I just loved the freedom to express yourself, and that you could be so physical and like, um, yeah, I, I love the free flowing style of the game, and 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 like tied in with the physicality. I think it just sucked me right in. Like, um, yeah, and the people around the sport too. So not only your teammates, but just the coaches, and and even as a kid, just having so much fun, you know, doing it and. Also being terrified at the same time because at the time I was the only girl. Um, but uh, I think over time I, I really won the guys over and, um, yeah, lifelong lifelong friends from it. So. Oh, that's legit. That's legit because I, I love to hear that story. Cause I've heard it from different rugby women who have played other sports, and it's literally been like 50-50. One part of it's like, hey, we played, and they weren't the greatest, but, you know, you know, it was a time I, I'm glad I did it. And the other one is like, yo, we played, and once they got our respect, like, it, it was all it was all fun and games then at that point. Exactly. So, you know, you, you – you, you have this moment and then you continue on. Now, are you now following just in the lead of your, your stepsister in this situation? Or is it something that you kind of just were like, okay, now I'm making it mine as you continue growing within the sport uh, in your youthful age? I think it was a mixture of both. It was a mixture of, I want to make this mine, but also like she went on to play at UBC. Um, so when we ended up moving to Vancouver, we would go watch her games every weekend. And I, so I got to watch her you know, compete in the early days of Canada West. And at the time it was CIS. Um, now it's youth sports. But um, yeah, I think that really gave me the opportunity to see that it was something you could do in university and explore that route as well. And, and those opportunities that are presented in post-secondary. And um, But yeah, at the same time, it was like molding in terms of really finding girls rugby in Victoria at the time, which was rare to come by and kind of building that from the ground up as well. Oh man. So you, you really got to also see it from that beginning up because I, I remember talking in 2014 to uh, Bianca Farella. And uh, when I was talking with her, she was speaking about how youth rugby had been developing so much in Canada and kids are starting at an early age. And she was using it a little bit like both the U S and uh, Canada were working at the same rate, but Canada in reality was actually far ahead. But so it, I, I was, I'm always interested to understand like, that environment overall, obviously the girls was a little bit limited, but I will still say you guys might have been a, more ahead. Did that environment feel like you guys were getting a sufficient amount of, of just play and competition? Or did it still did you feel like there was still like the strong scarcity and it was just little pockets here and there that happened to be having youth rugby? I think it there's a couple pieces to that. First of all, B used to be my roommate, so it's it kind of funny <laughs> that you bring her up. Um, and, and teammate, but, uh, small no, world I, life. <laughs> yeah, a small world. Um, yeah, I think it also depended on where in Canada you lived. Like Victoria, we were pretty lucky. Like I had a pretty accepting community around me in terms of the coach at my school, Doug Tay, who also coached at UVic for the men's program. And his son was on my, on my team. Um, and, and they were just really lucky or open. I was lucky that they were open enough to have females on the team. Nice. Um, they didn't care what gender you were, just as long as you could play. Grow the um, game. Yeah, exactly. And then I think as time has progressed, and like I ended up going back uh, in my first couple of years of university and coaching at Oak Bay High, which is the school I would have gone to 
that at the time had no girls program and had like a long history career of men's rugby and boys rugby at the school. Um, and now there was a fully fledged lower Island girls sevens league in Victoria. And there was tons of rugby sevens on the mainland and the high school I went to um, Carson Graham in North Vancouver uh, had one, has one of the strongest programs um, for 15s in the province. Um, so the mainland has a lot more 15s and the, and the island just with a smaller population is more focused on sevens. Um, but it's definitely clear that over time there was just such an expansion of, of programs offering girls rugby, um, not just boys. And some schools actually that didn't even have a boys team but now had a girls team. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I think as I got older, the, the, and as I'm getting older, there's way more opportunities out there now. Oh no, oh, I, I, and, I, and that make I, I love that, and it makes sense. Is for you guys, is it something that's been developed probably more grassroots than than um, national, or do you see the governing body really having invested heavily into that youth sports arena? It's a bit of like a chicken and an egg. I think the grassroots level is expanding so much because of people in club systems and at high schools um, and middle schools even who, who just were involved at rugby at some point in their lives and, and are there and willing to offer a team. But then also girls at a younger and younger age seeing on TV, you know, people like Bianca Ferrella and the Women's Sevens program winning bronze in Rio and the Women's um, World Cup being broadcast on TSN, I think has done a, a ton for the game. Because um, you can't be what you can't see. So all of a sudden you see women on TV playing this cool sport. Um, you're going to start asking around at your local level as to where you can get involved. Um, and that's, I think, where you're seeing the growth. Yeah, and, and and it goes to the theory that I think a lot of people have had is if you see it, then people will want to go to it. If they play it, they're going to want to stay in it. And from there you start to see the growth in addition from, from that point. So, totally. no, I... That, that makes a lot of sense. And it, like I said, it's been interesting kind of watching Canada's development uh, in comparison to the U.S. There's parallels, but I think, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like you guys have been able to establish that youth base at a, at a stronger foundation than we have. Mm -hmm. So kind of fast forward, because I want to get to this this 12-year-old 12 12-year-old 12 revolutionary here, uh, the, the, young, the young Fred Hampton of rugby over here. <laughs> but, you know, you're playing rugby all these years and you now have, you've been playing with the boys, you're playing with the women's team. And quick question before I finish this, that team you're playing, are they called the Valkyries or Valkyries? Is the Valkyries. Okay. So the news people were just calling it weirdly. Yeah, no, it's a weird, it's a weird word. So <laughs> it gets a couple of different renditions thrown out there. Okay. I, I was just wanted to be sure. I was like, again, I was like, I don't know. They might say it differently in Canada. I, I didn't know. But uh, no, um, but so basically you're, you've been playing with the boys all this time. And then this sudden ruling change occurs where you're no longer allowed to play. First, do you know what the environment was going on where all of a sudden within a year in 2008, and I'm trying to think if there was anything significant, but in 2008 that they were like, no, nah, we, we don't want any more girls to even have a chance to play with the boys. Yeah, I like I don't know and like just reflecting on it it's just what happened at my elementary school was that it got reclassified as a middle school so i was in grade seven at the time and so typically in, in canada i'm not sure where else but it goes up to grade seven for elementary and then you go to high school from eight to twelve 
Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's more and more middle schools or I guess junior highs in a sense where it's like grade six, seven, eight. And so all of a sudden we fell under a different sport regulator. Um, and so this body decided that girls can't play boys sports and vice versa. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I remember I showed up to the meeting for rugby and they were like, you can't play. Um, and I just remember like going home and bawling my eyes out to my mom and she's like, this is not right. And so it just kind of spurred this like charge to change the system and, um, yeah, news interviews. And, and I had to, um, basically like appeal to the sport body and we got the rule changed in the end. Um, but it was crazy. It was like a 12 year old having to read a statement in front of a board of like, I think it was like 10 or so adults, you know, school superintendents and principals and vice principals and the, and the works. And um, yeah, it was just, we were going to take it to the BC human rights tribunal and um, yeah, they ended up changing it ultimately. So I guess it was successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to put it, you know, yeah. it, it seemed to work out. Hey guys. I just want to take a quick moment to talk to you about the Rugby Outlet Mall. Now, I know you guys have heard me talk about this many times in the show before, typically in the intro, but I wanted to really make sure to get your focus on it because the Rugby Outlet Mall is not just the commerce hub for Gift Time Rugby, but it is an area where we want to be able to create the movement and the symbolic elements that add to the movement. The Rugby Outlet Mall is here so that we can have something to not just to have for the field, but more importantly to be able to have as a regular lifestyle. Because as you know, rugby is not just a sport. It's a whole way of life. It is a movement. And we have everything moving from cultural to your pop culture items like our Rugby Zon shirts or and sweaters, uh, sweaters as well as representing for the culture as we continue to develop the HBCU Rugby Classic and we want to continue to support these things because it only grows the sport overall. We are continually growing to be able to make sure that we are connecting with you on a personal level as well as a rugby love. And for you guys that are listening to the podcast and listening to this show, want to let you know that you are going to get 20% off all gear that is under the category of Gift Time Rugby Network and the HBCU Rugby Classic. That is basically the entire store. And all you need to use is promo code GROWRUGBY, G-R-E-A-U-X RUGBY. And with that, you guys will get 20% off any clothing that is in the store as of right now and of course we're always building up more and more each time but we want to make sure that you are able to symbolize your rugby faithfulness to the rest of the world and let them know that there is an opportunity to be able to develop to grow and to get better each and every time in this sport so guys i hope you guys check it out Definitely go, and you guys can go to www.rugbyoutletmall.com. That is rugbyoutletmall.com. Guys, you're not going to want to miss one bit of this. Now, let's get back to it. You, is, is that rule still – is, is the, the changed rule now as is? Is it still in current placement? Have they adjusted it at any point since then? Not that I'm aware of, like, as, as far as I'm concerned, the rule stands that if there's no girls um, equivalent offered, you can play on the boys team, which at the time there was no equivalent. Um, so I don't know how off or how frequent it is, I guess, um, because now that there's so much, so many options for girls to play on girls teams. Um, but yeah, as far as I know, they had, nothing's changed. 
Oh, nice. So, you know, you're, you're, you're in this spotlight and you're getting this attention. And it was over the course of like two or three months that this took, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for you looking back, do you feel like that moment changed the way that you look at maybe not even just rugby, but the way that you look at leadership and the way that you look at taking a voice? Because obviously leading to that point, you're already doing things that people would consider as irregular. But, you know, I don't know if there was the awareness of it and it was just like, it's different, but I get to play versus now you have this light on you. And now it's like you're actually making not just change for personal, but you're making a cultural change. Yeah, I think um, absolutely. I think it really shone a light on fighting for things that, you know, aren't just or aren't right or equal or fair um, or even equitable for that matter, even more importantly. And I think that I really have to credit my mom a lot in, in really pulling along this fight because um you know, she's always just set the example to, to fight for, for what you want and to fight for, you know, all those things I was talking about earlier. And um, yeah, I think I really carried that on with me throughout high school. And then, you know, I did a bit of humanitarian work here and there with some rugby organizations in Thailand, which is where I was born. And, um, I think that, yeah, even just working into now and working as part of the Rugby Canada BIPOC working group and, um yeah, just, just bringing that to all different facets of life, I think, has been really critical to how I how I look at, at things. And, um, yeah. Oh, I love that. Wait, quick question. Where, 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 who did you work with in Thailand? Uh, when in, in high school, I did, like, a cleat drive. So I raised a bunch of money. So I did International Baccalaureate, which is a... Just IB! A yeah, yeah. Oh, my daddy! Yes! Amazing. <laughs> Like so few people know what IB is. So, um, so anyways, for for CAS for like community action and service, I guess I, I did this huge project to to, to fundraise for. Um, it's called the Naxu Tigers in Bangkok, um, and so yes. yes, so I fundraised and I, I oh gosh, I took a lot of cleats over to Bangkok on a on a trip and um, donated them to the local rugby organization. No, that's nice. Those are my guys over there. We we just did a, a whole uh, uh, bike ride uh, in 2019 to the Rugby World Cup going through them. So Eddie Evans and the rest of the Natsu guys were there. And uh, it, it's been one of the big reasons why I believe in rugby changing culture, because that was like the most evident them and uh, the 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 um, Asian Asia Foundation down in Phuket uh, yeah. doing the same thing. So uh, that's dope. Oh, that's amazing. That's a world amount of coincidences. Okay. So <laughs> I didn't plan any of this. <laughs> you know, you know, we've we've only been following forever. No, I'm playing, but no, this is wild. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. Okay. Man, see, this is why this is a podcast at the same time, because we're gonna have these diversions at some point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 have this opportunity. So you're seeing these things and you're able to be able to uh uh push it and you you have the new pers- you have a wider perspective of what rugby does because i think every time you go international i think it adds to the community effort obviously but i think the depth of how what you can do with it so one thing that you had said was when you were on those news reports was about you wanting to play for the national team and being able to play for the rugby world cup and all that stuff and you go into college is was there a natural pathway that you guys had going to the national team or was it something that it was just like it kind of came upon you. 
Yeah, I think um, at the time it was just kind of something that happened. It was an, it was a goal I always had, and it was something I always wanted to do. But um, now the, the the pathway they call it is so clear, and you follow all the age grade Canada stuff. And I think I look back at my own career and and playing at Carson Graham, like I mentioned, and winning provincial championships and stuff with Brad Baker and what who were key coaches throughout my career. Um, I think that was kind of the the way that got me to the national level, or at least on the radar. Um, and playing provincially, I think, is also a big part of that um, at the age grade levels. So I played for BC for British Columbia for quite a bit, um, and so from there, I guess yeah, I just I remember getting an invite to a camp one weekend for under twenty Canada's um, in like the fall of my grade twelve year, and then from there making the under twenty team. Um, and then it was from there that I, it kind of all happened in reverse and all at mm. once for me. Like I made the under 20 Canada team, but I had already had plans to go to UVic. Um, and this was after looking both in the States for school um, opportunities for rugby um, and academically and then across Canada. And um, it was kind of mentioned that if I wanted to play for Canada, you know, maybe you should think about going to UVic. And <laughs> at the time I'd lived in Vancouver and, I, I was like, why would I go back to the island? Like I left the island and it was never really something that I thought about. Um, and now I'm like, oh, I couldn't have imagined it being any different. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they were like, you should go to Victoria. Um, and so I ended up getting in. And a big part of that was I got second year standing thanks to the IB program and the commerce program, which I ended up switching, uh, doing a total 180 and doing political science in the end. Um, but uh, yeah, long-winded story. It just kind of all happened at once. So I made under 20 Canada, um, and then from there got carded at the end of the summer in, in August 2013, um, and then made the sevens program. Um, and from there, it's just kind of everything else happened like dominoes. But uh, yeah, so that's not a really good answer. But <laughs> no, that's it's a great answer, and and it kind of speaks to uh, it's it's very rugby esque in terms of. What you expect doesn't always go as expected, but doesn't make it worse. And yeah. uh, to, to know that you're you're going back, basically going back home to be able to go play, and it actually is the best way for you to get there. It's it's a nice re-revelation. You know, being able to play and, and just be able to succeed so well, because I was able to obviously see what you were, had been doing at U Victoria. You know, do you feel like what you guys did there was – I mean, obviously, it was great for the program, but did you feel like it set a different standard that was that has been moving forward from that point versus where it was before you got to? Not to make you flex too hard, but I kind of want you to flex a little bit. Here. <laughs> um, I think I definitely do. I think um, I was pretty fortunate to have obviously like amazing teammates and amazing coaches throughout my career at UVic, and. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that really drew me to the program at the time was that they were in this major building phase. And, you know, you going back to being 12-year-old Jess and wanting to be, a, you know, a quote, revolutionary and then, you know, really taking that forward and, and wanting to apply myself in those ways of, like, building something from the ground up. Um, and I think that that's what UVic, you know, was so appealing was because that, this was a program that people didn't really think about when you thought about women's rugby at the time in 2013, you thought about St. Effects, you thought about Lethbridge, you thought about these programs that had been winning national championships for 
years. Um, very historied programs and UVic was never really on that radar. Um, and here was an opportunity, you know, it's a centralized training group for the national team. Um, you've got great coaches coming in. So Brittany Waters um, was just about to start as head coach. And, um, you know, you got a coach that people want to play for in a program in a city that sells itself. And, um, yeah, I think now that you see the, the progress that UVic has made in terms of being, a, you know, a real prime destination for a lot of recruits across Canada, um, you know, the National Training Centre is definitely a draw there as well. But, uh, yeah, I think the program's got a lot of momentum and um, it's pretty cool to have been even pl played a small part in that. So, yeah. no. That and, and it, it, it's 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 again it goes back to those moments where you you the nuances of it play far great have a far greater ripple effect than you you believe so to even hear that you guys had these just what would be well I guess no having a national training center is a pretty significant one there but you know it's just being able to see it from the building stage and knowing that you guys were able to do that were, was it a situation and because I always like to always figure out because uh, I know here in the U.S. We have maybe a few schools that will bring in crowds, but what is the spectator situation like for you guys out there? Because uh, just based off of rugby appreciation from the university level, at least. Like in terms of at UVic or just general to, to like rugby uh, events? Specifically at UVic, specifically at UVic. Um, I think, yeah, I think building off that, like we had to fight for a lot of recognition at the school initially, just as we built that kind of repertoire as being like, know one of the premier sports at the school because men's rugby for so long was kind of like the men's football i guess of of uvic mm. which they don't have a football team for that reference for those who don't follow victoria sports um but they're a pretty big big sports team at the school and so we we're like well we're just you know just as good um and so we really had to fight for that because they would sell out centennial stadium on like a friday night which is like a, a large stadium at the on campus and uh so eventually, actually, by, by the last couple of years that, that I was playing, we would get, I'd say, like 400 or so people. We actually got to play um, the national championships we, Victoria hosted in 2016. And our opening game was at Centennial Stadium and, like, totally full full stands. And so at least a couple hundred people, which was really cool to play under the, you know, it was Friday Night Lights, full-fledged um, against a, a rival across Canada. And, uh, yeah, so... The, the crowds are there. You just got to you got to get it out into the market and um, share the news. So, yeah, no, I, I, it, it's it's one part of rugby here, I guess, in, in major non rugby countries. But I'll say in the Americas that I think we're still always working on where it's like we know once you're in the sport, you're going to love it. But what can we do to be able to make sure that we can bring people to come watch it and enjoy it. And they might not necessarily put a ball in their hand, but we can still keep them, you know, entertained or at least keep them engaged in it. So uh, to hear that you guys were able to do that and, 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 and continue that is, is impressive um, regardless because yeah, just it's, it gets you somewhere. It adds so much to the depth of what you're doing yeah. and Friday night lights and a vibe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So you've, you've done this, you've, you've been able to succeed over here at UVic. Now you've made it to the national teams. Can you tell me what was that, uh, well, you kind of already explained it, but what was that feeling of being able to get that first national, your first cap uh, underneath you as a senior player, uh, not just a U20? Yeah, it was incredible. I think, 
it was 2015 and it was the summer and it was beautiful. We got to play in Calgary um, against New Zealand and uh, really full circle because in high school, I actually got to go to New Zealand um, on a rugby tour in grade 10 and to like stand there for my first cap facing the Hakka, like was so cool. <laughs> you have to like remind yourself to be serious and like get ready for battle, you know, so to speak. And um, yeah, it was, it was really special. My parents flew in and um, they were there in the stands after the game and they were there for my cap presentation. And um, uh, yeah, to do it on home soil in front of, you know, the world's number one team and uh, you know, having all our fans there, like speaking of packed stands, like Calgary Rugby Park had completely uh, filled the brim with with people. I think it was like 2,500 fans were in attendance and it was it was like a very intimate atmosphere, but it, it, it felt like the largest event I'd ever been a part of. Like, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, like, it's that vibe, like you, you can actually feel the energy in the air. Yeah. Exactly. And because it's like grassroots club level, you know, people are having beers and having a great time. And even though we lost, like, honestly, it was just it was so special to have my, my family there. And, and especially my mom, who had, you know, driven me to and from so many practices and games and helped me fight for a spot to play on and on a team. And um, yeah, she had just done so much. So it was pretty special. Oh, I love that. You know, one one thing I, I I I've always liked about rugby is obviously the culture stands out for me. But I think it's the maybe the word. I don't know if it would be the best word, but the down to earthness that kind of comes along with it. So you know, you take it from a position like that. You're you're a national team player now. You are now become part of those people that you arguably used to watch uh, back in the day, and now you're under that same guys. For you to be in that spotlight, um, and I, obviously you had your time with the U20s and stuff like that, but in, in that stage, did you start to feel the responsibility or the, um, the impact of what it meant for you to be a national team member and what that meant for everybody else, kind of whether you know them or not, rippling around you? Yeah, no, because I grew up idolizing some of these players that I was playing now playing on the national team with and training with day in, day out. You know, like I remember the first couple of training sessions just being so starstruck uh, and nervous, you know, because these are people I just like, I don't know, just the largest stars in life that you could think of pro athletes. Like these are the people I idolized as a kid and just wanted to be. So let alone being in the same room and wearing the same jersey all of a sudden was just incredible. So I definitely realized the, you know, the responsibility that comes with putting on that jersey and having, you know, being part of the the legacy there, I guess. Um, and uh, yeah, we did so much community engagement. So having young kids come up to you and asking for photos and autographs and, um, you know, parents coming up to you being like, thank you so much for talking with so-and-so, you know, it really means a lot to them. Um, and I think, yeah, that like community engagement piece is so, so critical. Um, and just giving a kid a little bit of time because I know how much it meant to me when someone would give me a spare piece of kit or, you know, some words of encouragement and like stick with it. You never know where it'll take you and just how far that little bit of time can can mean to someone. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Definitely realize the, the responsibility that comes with it. No, and, and it's oh, that's awesome. Like. One thing I, I, I've enjoyed in doing media and stuff like that was 
kind of finding out how human everyone is and not in a negative way. It was like, once you realize it's like, yo, you're not just a name. You're a, you're a person. You're that guy. You're, you're, you're that chick. Like, yo, you're, but you're cool. Like I can have the conversation and it's not out of the ordinary. And I think it's something that, again, I think is very unique in the sport. Maybe it's something about it being, it's just, it's big enough where, you know, obviously people can have a name, but it's small enough or at least close knit enough where you're just like, you know what? I, I can see you with on my club as well, too. And as I don't feel as intimidated after a little, you know, a little bit. Yeah. It's like, let's go get a beer and, and have a chat. And you're just a person at the end of the day who puts their shoes on just like you. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, I, I just take a little, little bit of the shine off. This is what I need. I, I like to just see see the mat of this. We don't need it to be glistening so hard. <laughs> exactly. Hey everybody, this is just the Bray Train sending out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where I am going to document me riding most of the way between Singapore and Tokyo for the 2019 Rugby World Cup. Number one is because um, it's part of my business, I do Rugby Lovers Guide to Asia. Number two is I want to bring a lot of exposure to the, to the rugby clubs and the rugby NGOs and charities. Also on a personal level, I just want to break uh, the funk I've kind of felt I've been into for the last 10 years. So for the next 12 months, I poured myself into this Singapore to Tokyo campaign, but it still wasn't enough. I needed help, and it came from Louisiana. We in Singapore, baby! Gift from Gift Time Rugby USA is a extroverted tour de force. Say hi to my people out there. Which makes up for my um social shortcomings. This place is unbelievable. It's not just it's like What's he supposed to do? Morons, a bunch of morons. Guys, picture with me. Picture. Australian. G'day mate. Can you use my phone? But what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, yeah! Yeah! Rugby is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. The mighty, mighty Valkyries. And allows us to overcome incredible, incredible obstacles. It's just got so thick. It's just so thick here. Now it's pouring down rain again. But coming to this Thai-Cambodia border has renewed all the aggression. So the whole thing has gone buggered. I got hit. What? I got Thailanded by a motorbike. I can just feel that knee, that ankle just going in all the wrong directions under the weight of my body. But that doesn't compare to the pain of, of failure. I'm dying. Oh, I'm dying. And that's what I've been worried about this whole time. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers, come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Making a comeback. Four weeks, 2,300 miles. 
five countries. After all the trials and tribulations, this ride had become deeply personal. All that mattered now was getting to that Rugby World Cup game in Tokyo. Hey, buddy. All right. Be easy. Go check out redearthfilms.vhx.tv to get your copy of Singapore to Tokyo any way we can. That's redearthfilms.vhx.tv. So, one thing that really stood out over the, the years was the changes that came with the Olympics and the Women's Rugby World Cup. All right. And for you guys, I, 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 and, and I have to ask, you know, for the sake of the, the journalism aspect, um, you weren't on those teams. Um, what was for you? Because, again, 12-year-old, you had said you wanted to be on it. And I don't know what – you still have time. But for you, what did it mean to, to at least know the people that were going to be on that tour but maybe not necessarily be have a chance to be a part of those two tours? Yeah, I think it, it was definitely tough. And, like, obviously you train so much with those people – um, so you know exactly what they've sacrificed and how hard they've worked to get there. But at the same time, it's just like heart wrenching because you've also worked just as hard and, you know, you were at, in the camps in the lead up to the World Cup and you just didn't quite, quite make the cut. Um, so those are definitely like tough pills to swallow. And, and I don't know if you're, you ever fully recover, so to speak, from, from that pain or, or from not making the squad at the end of the day. Like, and I've, I've been in and out of squads throughout my career like I, I get the, the frustration of being cut and then you know the elation of making a team and um you know, that's just ultimately you know high performance sport at the end of the day it doesn't always go your way um but yeah I think just being able to see women's rugby on tv and the progress it's making and and being able to support support teammates and friends who have you know given up their lives too to play for for, for Canada or for whichever team is on and um yeah, being able to support them at the end of the day is, is important too. So with, with, that, with that being said, how big, how, how much excitement was there whenever Canada got bronze in the Olympics, which was by far, I, in my opinion, was what I consider the actual breakout of women's rugby at the international level. I think that was probably the, at that, up to that point, 2016, was the top production that you had for women's rugby. Uh, you got the spotlight and the play was, Amazing, just absolutely gorgeous. So for Canada, like you guys following behind Australia and New Zealand, like what was the what was the feeling like back at home while watching it? Um, it was incredible to watch it just to see how everything unfolded and you know the drama of that bronze medal match and, and seeing those girls, like I said, that I trained beside day in, day out in Victoria, um, to see them having, you know, put lives on hold, put school on hold, put everything on hold and put on the line to, to win that bronze for Canada was just so cool. And I think that to have even played like a tiny part in that um, is just something that you can always kind of hold on to. Um, and I think that, you know, watching it on TV and seeing all the tweets and seeing all the broadcast and, and all of a sudden this sport that I just love to see grow, um, get front, you know, front center, uh, headlines, you know, around the world and around Canada, I think was so cool to see. Um, yeah. And I think really special for any kids coming up and, and dreaming of that themselves. Um, 
yeah, I love it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And, and, and you know, it did that added something special because you got to be, I know obviously you're saying, but it's just, that's got to be such an added. So you'd be like, look, you know, you saw what she did there. I used to take her down at camp. Like, yeah, I got that too. You know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what I'm there. I got that. <laughs> oh, oh, so you, you played for the national team for five seasons and, and five seasons. And then uh, you, you stepped away and now you're coaching. I've talked to many people who have gone, made that switch from player to coach. Um, I talked to uh, Tiffany Faye, who was uh, USA rugby's uh, captain for the women's rugby world cup um, in 2017. And she, when she said her transition, it was a, a process of humbling, uh, of, of trying to relearn not just how you saw yourself as a player being teaching, but actually seeing it as an educator doing that. For you, you know, yeah. obviously you did with high schools, uh, with your high schools and stuff, but what was it like now taking over over at uh, UBC? Oh, York. I'm sorry. At York. York. <laughs> No, definitely not our, our rival, our long-time story. My bad, my bad. Don't, I didn't mean to get on your bed, so no. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, it's definitely a different hat, and I think it gives you a lot of perspective um, and respect for coaches throughout your career, just taking bits and pieces from all the people who have coached you, and now you can consider a mentor or a colleague um, and kind of taking bits and, and pieces from that uh, of inspiration and and how you want to carry on and lead a team and um yeah a huge amount of responsibility if you want to talk about responsibility um but i think that it's, it's interesting because i've always just loved rugby and and rugby and i have had a tough relationship at times there's been high, super hot great highs and very very deep lows and um those around me have been able to help me get through all those times but um i think coaching offers this this great opportunity to stay involved in the game long term and I was hit with a couple of injuries too which made me you know kind of step back and think like I, I really love the sport so how can I how can I best give back and um I, I love working with athletes and seeing them you know understand a skill or have an aha moment and like that really energizes me and then to pass on that knowledge or um different perspectives about the game and, and sharing that knowledge to you know, up and coming athletes, I think is just such a cool feeling. It's different. It's nothing will ever compare to playing. Um, kind of you touched on that earlier, but um, yeah, I think it's just such an exciting chance to stay involved, keep giving back um, and keep growing too. Not just as a, not just as a coach, but as a person and a player um, who still hopes to play a little bit here and there once COVID's over. Um, but yeah, you really have to expand your game and start being like, so what is it that the forwards do? <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know, it's that I never thought about as a fly half. Like I would, I would scan the field or as a scrum half, um, but really kind of <laughs> nailing down those nitty gritty pieces of, of scrum dark arts and understanding that and, um, you know, what goes on in there. So, yeah. <laughs> Yo, I, I, I like it. See, the process of humility, all right? Yes. Forwards matter too, Jess. Forwards matter too. No. It's, it's very humbling. <laughs> oh, was there was there somebody who, who kind of suggested it? Because, uh, you know, again, obviously the, the self-reflection uh, obviously gives you the chance to want to step into it. 
but it, it's a whole different it's a whole different game of actually executing it. Did you have any mentors or was there somebody who kind of helped you explain the process through as you continue to develop as as this uh, coach? Yeah, I think um, my high school coaches, especially Brad Brad Baker, was has been such a, you know an inspiration in my own life in terms of how he's coached for so many years with different age grade teams, and then Carson Graham obviously having such a great track track record um, of provincial championships and producing national team players, and um, he's a he's a top notch educator, um, and so learning from him, but then also just being coached by Brittany Waters. I think she's been a great resource for me, especially as I transition to leading York is um, just having someone who's been through all this um, and at this level and having gone through that transition from being, you know, World Cup player, national team player um, into a head coach of a university program. She's definitely someone I've, I've leaned on quite a few times and called up to be like, how do you deal with this? What are your thoughts? <laughs> um, so she's been a great resource. No, oh, and, 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 and it's, Obviously, the necessity when it goes through the guiding points of that uh, become more apparent as you get to start dealing with different personalities. And now you're looking at it from the outside in. You know, I, I reference back to Tiff, uh, and I remember one thing she said whenever she transferred was like she wasn't sure about how to maintain the relationship between her and her players uh, because you know, as a player, as a player who can help coach, you know, you're you're one of the players still at at, at its core. So. You know, you can you feel like you can have the buddy buddy relationship, whereas as a coach now you are a figurehead. So it's like, am I a parent? Am I your friend? Like, how do I do this? You know, for you, did you have to deal with that that conflict? And uh, if so, and then on top of that, like, what was what has been your process of being able to connect then with the players that you you have now? Yeah, I think um, initially at UVic when I was brought on to be a manager and then kind of a skills coach and then assistant coach, um, that drawing that line between like coach hat on, especially because I had played with a lot of the players who were a bit older on the Vikes team at the time um, and exactly were friends and former teammates um, and now I'm their coach. So just being able to, you know, at practice, I'm here, I'm your coach, I'm here to help you grow um and then like off the pitch and outside of that in personal life being able to also kind of maintain a bit of that line um but i think at york it's been less of an issue because i was never teammates with any of those players um although i'm closer in age to some of the older players on the team um i don't think it's been as much of an issue because it's it's a job it's um it's a professional setting and so yeah, drawing that line at York has been less weird or less difficult than it was at, at UVic just because of that personal relationship was from being a teammate to coach. Um, whereas here, I've just been hired as the coach. Um, yeah, so it's not been as difficult of a challenge. Oh, I get that. Um, kind of winding it down, and, and you know, I, I kind of hit you with the last few questions, but... You know, I always when it comes to coaching, I, I'm always a big advocate on on, on culture and style. Um, whenever you would, whenever you're recruiting a, an ath, a a student, an athlete to be part of your program, you know, what do you consider as your your style? What what is it that you feel is unique to that you're bringing that's unique for York rugby itself? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, especially because I've only been in the role for six months, uh, this is my first kind of round recruiting. So I've been kind of refining my processes as I go along. And I think one of the things we're really looking for and that I've really been working on during COVID with the team is just building the team culture, which sounds counterintuitive to what you would typically think that you have to be together to do that. But really, there's a lot you can do via Zoom calls and group chats and um, you know, personality tests and understanding, you know, how people see the world and how people react to conflict. And, um, and I think we talk a lot about being energizers at York. Um, and I think that understanding and recruiting kids who are open to learning are very coachable, um, enthusiastic about the sport. You know, they may not, they don't necessarily have to have years of rugby experience if they're open and um, enthusiastic about learning and coach it, coachable themselves, then I think that, you know, that just speaks volumes for, for a kid's potential looking down the road. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, from a coaching perspective, I really value empowering athletes and, and getting to know them, not just only as a rugby player, but as a person, like, what do they do outside of school? Do they work? Do they have uh, siblings they take care of? Um, I made a real effort to have one-on-ones with a lot of every single athlete at the start of the semester, throughout the semester, and at the end of the semester, um, just to check in and, and just have a chat that's not about rugby. Um, or sometimes it's like, why did you get into the sport? How do you like feedback? Um, so really, really taking the time to like get to know them as an individual person first, um, and then as an athlete and coach relationship. Um, so yeah, I guess just in recruiting, just looking for kids who are enthusiastic about rugby, open, coachable, um, and yeah, eager, eager to learn. You know, I, I like that because I, I feel when it, when it comes to rugby and especially after pandemic, I feel like the pandemic has created a new era of rugby, which I like to call the, the truly the inclusive diversity part of rugby, where now you're allowing the personalities and the uniqueness of them to come through to add into the culture of the team, as opposed to manufacture people to fit into the team culture does you know that makes sense yeah no totally and and it's it's been interesting to see what the process is going to be i mean obviously we're still at the earliest stages of it but it's something that i think it came with all the desperation that hit with all these unions and stuff like that so to see that continued process going especially as these next generation of coaches like yourself start kicking in i feel like that's going to be more emblematic of of that um Last question for you before, you know, I I let you go. I know I've I've been taking your good time. I know this is good. (laughs) But, um, you know, you've had quite the journey and and you've had a lot of experiences for you, for that next little girl, little boy that's going to see your journey, see your pathway. um, When they say, hey, I'm considering rugby into this um, for you, knowing all that you've gone through knowing what you've succeeded and achieved and, 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 and dealt with, what is a, it's a piece of advice that you feel would be absolutely, that you feel is key for them to be able to develop to wherever it is they would like to get to? That's, yeah. I would say um, don't say no to opportunities and don't lose sight of why you started playing rugby in the first place. I think it's really easy to get, caught up in having to say yes, 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 all the time. Um, and so yeah, actually, I guess I, I, re- I rewind. 
I think don't be afraid to say no to opportunities and slow down and think about why you started playing in the first place. Cause I think people, and I've seen athletes that I've coached, especially in high school, say yes to opportunities at every second they get. And especially as more and more comes, you know, available, um, being able to sit back and, and, and really just like play a tournament for fun, um, you know, coach, coach a team for fun, like not necessarily be so invested all the time. Um, and yeah, just don't lose sight of, of why you started playing in the first place and why you love the sport. Cause at the end of the day, it's a sport. Um, and you're there to have fun and to meet fun people and, um, travel the world and, and have such great experiences with a great bunch of teammates. And, um, yeah, it'll open a lot of doors for you. Um, and yeah, just, just don't be afraid to, to step back and, and kind of put everything else into perspective. I love that. I love that. Feel ready to go play again now too. It's like, let me go outside. Oh wait, we still got COVID. Never mind. <laughs> but no, yo, Jess, I, I really appreciate this. Uh, I love that You're dropping jewels all over the place. I feel like uh, Captain Ahab over here going through pirating. But uh, you know, uh, where can people find you? Where can people, uh, if not find you directly, but the best way to get to contact, engage with you. <laughs> I would say probably my Twitter. <laughs> I'm always on Twitter. <laughs> and the Twitter is? Uh, at Jess Nielsen. There we go. There we go. Look, we, 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 got, we, we don't want to make them earn it too badly, no. no. <laughs> but, but Jess, thank you again so much. And, uh, yo, I, I hopefully uh, get a chance to talk with you again. Yeah, you as well. I, actually, my Twitter, I don't know if it's Jess Nielsen 13 or Jess Nielsen. <laughs> I always mix up my Instagram and my Twitter. <laughs> I should know at this point. Fair enough. No, Fair now enough. I'm panicking. Just off here. Say that again? I said now I'm panicking here before we sign off. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, don't worry. I'll be look, look. We're gonna let them earn it, all right. I just said not make them earn it too much. We're gonna make them earn it a little bit, all right. Get your earn your time. <laughs> Yo, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this, Jess. Thank you so much for taking the time and just being able to uh, uh, produce and be able to uh, just be an impact in uh, uh, a major player in the development of rugby, even in, specifically even in the women's game. And guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Of course, it's not our only podcast. If this is the first one that you guys are listening to, yo, this is not the only show. We got some amazing guests. Last week, we had Keishan Downs, the vice president of Jamaica Rugby Union. Prior to that, we had my guy, Ryan Ginty, uh, the producer and owner of uh, the production company Next Level Rugby, does all the rugby production and actually did that Austin versus Los Angeles game. Uh, this past weekend, we had the great Sarah Alice Saul of Tory Rugby, former uh, USA Rugby Men's National Team Manager. We had Katie Sadlier, the General Manager for Women's Rugby for World Rugby. Had Adam Milby of the President for the Philippines Rugby Union and another World Rugby Council member. Toes on to Titanway Viral Rugby. We've got some amazing guests. Tiara Mack, the state senator for Rhode Island and also uh, a rugby player coming out of Brown University. Uh, Anna Wusery of Black Girls Rock uh, Podcast. Coma Gandhi Fishbin, uh, World, uh, World Rugby, USA Rugby Board of Directors. Um, you know, 
just just an amazing array of guests uh, from Blaine Scully and Freddie Henry Ajuda from Nigeria Rugby, Phil Field, Naya Tapa, Chetta Emba, continuing on, Kyle Tiana Granby, Kimani Davis of Made Rugby. We've had an amazing allotment of guests. Want you to be able to listen, to be able to learn, to be able to continue to be able to get this information and be able to understand the full scope of what this sport is capable of doing, what we're able to access into, and just how amazing it is to be part of this community. But in the meantime, look, I hope you guys know. I hope you stay happy. I hope that you're healthy, and I hope you know you're highly favored. Until next time. Yo, I want to talk to you guys about the HBCU Rugby Classic and Music Festival. Yo, this is the best event that is coming out in terms of cultural rugby. It is a representative of the historically black colleges and universities, but not just simply to represent for them, but to be able to continue to promote the development of rugby in all communities. And we want you guys to know that we are coming back for May 1st and 2nd, 2021. Do not want to miss this one. I know there's a chance that you guys might not be able to come into the stadium, but please be sure to get ready to watch it. We have a great set of teams coming up, great invitations from youth rugby all the way up to senior level rugby. So we are not just going to make it so that you only look for or understand one part, but this is for the whole shebang. This is something that is growing that will only make us better. So definitely check out more information at www. That HBCU Rugby Classic.com or find us on uh, social media at HBCU Rugby on Twitter and HBCU Rugby Classic on Facebook and Instagram. Guys, I know you're going to love this.